1: Hello and welcome to the Rotoviz College Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host Stéphane Lacoe, joined by my co-host Matt Wispay. You can find us on Twitter at the Rotoviz CFB Show, but let's be honest, we don't really tweet from there very often. But follow our personal accounts. Follow Matt at Wispy the Kid, and you can find me at Stéphane Lacoe. Before we jump into the podcast, though, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle. It is a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire, and I know you want to. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q and A's with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that. We'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all the other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, which is the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're just starting up from scratch or you have an existing show in place that you just want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance in the program is limited though, so do get your applications in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. You can check out the description box for this episode and find out more, and you can find that link. I highly recommend this. As someone who has launched a podcast from scratch, I wish this would have been available to me because it would have saved me so much time and pain. So check out Blue Wire Hustle. Um, that's BW com slash join If you are interested. All right, Matt, how you doing?
2: I'm all right. It's been a busy week, but, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to, uh, take some time from the day job to think about things that actually make me happy. And that's college football. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here this week. I got my, got my beer in hand, ready to, uh, have a discussion.
1: Yeah, we're recording a little early for me to be drinking, um, although that doesn't always stop me. Um, I'm having a, a really shitty day. Uh, I was working out this morning. I was really excited. I It was sprint day, so, you know, we doing some some intense sprinting, and I pulled my hammy. Uh, so I had to hobble off the uh, the field I was training at, and I can't walk, and it's really a, really, really a shitty situation. And it reminds me that I'm old. And some of the coaches that we're going to be t- talking about in today's coaching moves episode are quite a bit younger than me. And that's really weird because I remember the day when uh, I was the same age as the players. And now the coaches are younger than me. And it's really fucking depressing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I'm not that far behind you. Yeah. So just don't do sprints, man. That's all Dude, what I'm to say. Like, what sucks is I do sprints probably. I do treadmill sprints probably like twice a week. I will tell you, it. Yeah, there are some some days where I'm like, "Ah, I got to stop." Cuz yeah.
1: I I, I felt the pop, you know, that pop. Ooh. Oof. I was like, "Oh
2: man, that's a scary pop." But
1: Yeah. So, quick quick aside before we get into it, a few years back I was living in Seattle and we were driving home after going out to eat and it was like a rainy night because it's Seattle, of course it was. And we were driving down this street, pretty small, not a not a bit very busy street. But um, these people just jumped out right in front of the car in front of me. So they slammed on their brakes. I slammed on my brakes. And the person behind me slammed into me. And so I was like, oh, shit. So went to pull over. They drove right past me. And I was like, oh, hell no. (laughs) So I jump out of the car. My kids and my wife are like, what are you doing? And I just start sprinting after this guy to be like, No, no hit and run today, my friend. Well, he was stopped at it, or she, I have no idea, um, was stopped at a stoplight up ahead. And I was like, oh, I'm catching them. So I just went in a dead sprint. And it was like 40 degrees outside. And I got about 40 yards from the car and pop, my hamstring just went out. And I just kept going. I was hobbling down the road trying to catch up. And I did catch up. And I started yelling at this car. Um, all the cars around them, like were like staring at me, like I was a crazy person. So I got down there no drivers. I mean, they a uh, license plate number. They took off. I called the cops and uh, nothing ever happened because the Seattle police didn't care to help me. So I pulled my hamstring for no reason, but I felt like a man running down the street, chasing a car that hit and ran. Um, but it was all for nothing other than a nice hamstring pull, which is what remind I had that thought again today when it happened. But, uh, anyway, that's my day. At least you don't have to call the police today about it. That's true. That's true. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on something. So Mel Kiper Jr. uh, Just had his latest mock draft come out and we were joking a couple weeks ago, maybe even a couple months ago, how it's going to be real dumb when everyone starts taking Zach Wilson um, in their mock drafts, putting him ahead of Justin Fields. And lo and behold, everyone is doing it. It almost seems like it's the contrarian take to have Justin Fields ahead of Zach Wilson. So we're going to talk a little bit about some Homer stuff to start off the show today. Let's get into some Ohio state controversy here. How does this make you feel? Do you think it's ridiculous? Do you think it makes sense? Where are you on the Zach Wilson, Justin Fields
2: comparison? So, um, I, my favorite thing that people bring up is they're like, you know what? I, I don't care that, uh, just, or that, uh, Zach Wilson didn't play as tough a competition. I look for traits. I look for, I, you know what I really look for? I look for those traits. You know what I saw? I saw two games where Justin Fields looked really, really not good against uh, Northwestern and against uh, Indiana. And I'm just sitting here and every time I read that, I'm like, so did you just completely skip the 2019 season when Zach Wilson was like one-to-one on touchdown interception? Oh, oh, you, you didn't care about any of that. You cared about the two-game sample size and not, you know, all of Justin Fields' games being cyborg-level good except for two of them. Yes, you're right. I should definitely be looking at the traits of Zach Wilson, calling him the next Patrick Mahomes, and not, you know, watching Justin Fields play for five minutes and realizing, holy crap, this dude isn't even close to his ceiling. He is going to be a megastar. And I think it's funny. But the good news is, is it means that it sounds like the Jets are not going to take Justin Fields, which was my fear. Yeah. And um now it's there's a fun one. Uh Kuiper put out a thing today. It was um, I think it was the 49ers trading up to get Justin Fields at like six. And uh, if that happens, I'm just gonna say this. I'm happy. Um, right. <laughs> I've said, I've said Atlanta is a landing spot. I really like, I actually wouldn't hate Detroit assuming Detroit still has Galladay. Um, and I, there are a few, as long as he gets like a respectable offensive line, doesn't have to be amazing. And a, um, a like a couple of good skill position players. If he ends up at Houston, I'm going to cry. That's, that's kind of one of the, I'll cry. And if right. he ends up in the Jets, I'll probably be a little bit sad beyond that i i honest to god think he's one of the five best quarterbacks to come out in the past like four or five years i I think he's that good, and I think the idea like that he's just somehow not good because northwestern figured out a way to you know make him look bad, you know when he was missing his number one wide receiver on the team gosh it's so crazy that he wasn't as comfortable throwing to his two four and like six right wide receiver instead of his one so it's and by the way they still won the game but it's just silly season
1: no I, I I totally agree I still have Justin Fields as my number two quarterback I with all this hype around Wilson, I decided to go ahead and and look at some tape this week, which is not something that I usually do for, (laughs) I I know. Uh, I love watching games. I'm not like a a grinder of tape, but I I went back and looked and I, and I watched some videos, even comparing the two guys. And I feel like, like he has a, a, a great arm. He's able to get it into really tight pockets. Some unbelievably athletic plays from Wilson, but like I see Justin Fields do the same thing. And one of the big knocks on Justin Fields is that like, he, he doesn't always read the field super great, but like Zach Wilson has the same problem and he's going against l- less, lesser competition. So to me, I don't really see it. Um, I, I still like Justin Fields better if Wilson does end up to the jets and fields ends up anywhere else. I know who, with. and it won't be close. I know who I'll be taking first in, uh, in any sort of rookie draft, Uh, And it it won't be close. Justin Fields will be number two right behind Lawrence at the quarterback position for me. Um, But anyway, uh, I wanted to also get into some transfer portal news. My boy Tyler Shuck uh, is off to Texas Tech to join the Red Raiders, which, you know, for him, I think it could be a lot of fun. Uh, This is not very relevant, Um, although I will say if you do college DFS uh, Chuck's going to be a guy that could be a lot of fun with Bowman uh, transferring out. The job should be his, I'm guessing um, because why else would he have gone there? So Tyler could be fun. Uh, he, he does have a high rushing floor, uh, which, you know, we'll see what that looks like in Texas tech.
2: But um, and I mean, we forget. I mean, I'm trying to think, I don't remember who the head coach's name is there, but I know he came from Utah state um, and whoever the coach is there, who uh, it doesn't matter. Basically, He made Jordan Love have a superstar level season. So I do just think that there's some, it's not going to be the air raid offense that we remember from like the mid 2000s, but you are going to see a lot of fun offense coming out of that Texas tech area. And while I'm not a big Shuck fan, I think he's a really mediocre quarterback and should not have been the starter last year. Um, I, I do think that that's a, it's probably a good landing spot for him from a, college fantasy perspective and honestly maybe just overall development
1: yeah matt wells is the head coach for texas tech that's the Um, name i don't know yeah it's again he's not one that we'll be talking about today uh but yeah so anyway tyler shuck no one cares except for except for me (laughs) because i I wrote an article that that he could be the next joe burrow (laughs) Ah, no one needs to remember that all right i want to get into uh the heart of the show here we're going to talk about coaching moves And how I kind of want to do this is I'd love to just go through in order of your favorite hires, Matt. So start with your favorite one, kind of go through the process, tell us why you like it. And I'd love to hear just from like a Debbie perspective or even a DFS perspective. You can kind of take it whichever way you like Uh, some players that it might impact positively or negatively. And uh, yeah, so, so take it, take it away. Uh, I'll, I'll give my thoughts along the way as well, but what was your favorite uh, coaching hire? And and we'll start with head coaching and then we'll, you know, we can talk about some of the offensive coordinator
2: moves later, but uh, what was your favorite coaching hire uh, uh, this cycle? So the, I mean, my favorite one's obviously Sarkeesian. I think he is a, um, he was actually a really strong head coach. We kind of forget that when, before the USC hire, he was actually seen as one of the top candidates in the country for a big jump from Washington. And, um, Yes, he went twelve and six at USC, and there were obviously some real off-field issues with, or yeah, non-coaching related issues with him. But then he he went with Nick Saban, spent a couple of years kind of rehabbing his career. Um, and that's a probably a poor choice of words with him, but whatever. Um, but so he he ended up kind of rehabbing his career, and he, I mean, that offense was pretty special the last couple of years underneath him. Just quickly, I mean, we already, I'm I'm not even going to mention this year where they, or fuck it all, I'd mention it. They averaged 48.5 points this year per game. Um, And the year before that, they averaged 47.2. It's pretty safe to say that this guy knows how to coach an offense. The one really big takeaway from a Debbie perspective and college DFS is that Bijan Robinson is going to be. Uh, the star you're hoping for, the reason why he is shooting up Devy boards, the reason why he is now, um, I'm in a campus to can't, I'm in a campus to Canton mock and a campus can't startup. He went uh, third in the startup and he went fifth in the mock. And on both one of, I think you could even argue that that's even getting a discount on him, and it's only because people wanted to lock up their quarterback first. So. Um, Robinson kind of showed that he's a little bit special averaging eight yards per carry. But the problem with the Tom Herman offense is that he was running the old urban Meyer offense, which is the spread it out and run the quarterback. Um, which is why Sam Ellinger has led the team in rushing for or rushing attempts for the last few years. That won't be the case obviously because Sam Ellinger isn't there anymore, but uh, guys like Hudson card or Casey Thompson, I'm I, I think card will probably be the start next year, but I don't see any chance that the quarterback leads them in rushing this year. So I do think it's good for Bijan. The other name to kind of keep an eye on um, from a DFS perspective is uh, I think Roshan Johnson is going to be sort of interesting because if we see that they go a little bit run heavy early just because that's where their skill position is, um, he may end up still getting you eight to 10 carries a game. And if he gets that, then you might be looking at someone who has DFS value. Among the wide receivers, they all suck. Um, I I just don't think they have a ton of talent at the wide receiver position. Josh Moore's okay. Um, Jake Smith is okay. Brennan Eagles is okay, but I think Eagles is gone. He left, didn't he? Um, Yeah, I think he's gone. Jordan Whittington's probably the only name that I actually like there with any real upside for future Debbie purposes, but even then, I'm not paying for him. Like I I think somebody out of there probably emerges if based on like their current usage rates from under Tom Herman, I'd have to say Josh Moore, but I'm not paying up for any of the receivers. Uh, I do think card, whichever quarterback ends up winning the job. And I think Hudson card was a highly regarded prospect. So there's a decent chance. It's him Um, for future purposes. I mean, Sarkeesian's already doing a great job recruiting. He already landed a top wide receiver prospect and he did land a five star um, quarterback in the class of 2022 in Malik Murphy. So you were excited about down one too. Malik Murphy is a guy that I was, you know, if Ohio state, when Ohio state initially lost out on Quinn Ewers, he was probably number two or number three on my list of players that I wanted Ohio state to go after. And he's, he's not mobile. He has, I think three career rushing yards in high school. So don't expect him to be like this mobile quarterback, but, He actually hasn't played that much high school football. It's just he's one of those guys that they've seen him in camps and he's just like wowing everyone. Seems to be a pretty special passer. And under Sarkeesian, that could be the quarterback that sort of unlocks his system. And maybe in that situation, then you are looking at a spot where um, probably not anyone who's currently on the roster, but maybe one of the upcoming recruits um, really makes a leap. But yeah, I mean, the issue with Sark is just you as long as everything off the field is good with him, then I'm all in. Then I will fully be all in on that hire. Um, And I hope it is because that I, I think he's a good coach and we, we always say the sports more fun when the blue bloods are good. And Texas is one of the blue bloods for a reason. And if he can make them good, I'm all for it.
1: Yeah. I am also excited. I think a little bit less excited than you, I look at his overall record as a a head coach and he is like between his time at Washington and USC, he is, let's see, 46 and 35, which is like a sub 60% winning percentage. So I'm I'm curious what he'll do again. You know, he has probably learned um, a lot from being on save and staff. So that'll help. Um, Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. Uh, One of the things I wanted to ask you about specifically um, regarding Bijan Robinson. um, So so this past year, Najee Harris had 43 receptions in 13 games. Bijan last season, I think, only had 15 receptions in nine games. Do you think Bijan Robinson has the ability to add the pass-catching um, prowess to his portfolio?
2: Hmm, that wasn't a fun sentence to say. <laughs>
1: or do you think it's just so, not in his skill
2: set? No, he is. He is an all-around back. Uh, that was one of the things that was sort of his, um, things that was considered in his wheelhouse coming into college. It's one of the reasons why he was, I I feel like I always loop things back to Ohio State, but screw it. You do. He was the <laughs> you guy certainly that over- do. <laughs> Shut up. In, I mean, he wasn't a huge receiver in high school either. He only had 42 receptions for his career, um, but he was seen as a guy that had good hands when they would go through drills and stuff. Um, I do think that he's going to get utilized a little bit more. Maybe some of that gets offset into, like I said, Roshan Johnson, um, but I do think he's going to get some of the, hit some of my low end thresholds that I'm looking for. And the fact that he had 15 receptions on an offense that doesn't heavily feature the running back. I think that alone is going to tell you that, yeah, he he's he's going to be very capable. So, uh, that I mean, Bijan's the the one major rocket ship to his back. He's going to be um, very special.
1: Yeah. Do you think Roshan? Uh, speaking of him as like a secondary, do you think he will be like a sneaky cheap DFS play throughout the year, or would is it somewhere where, well, like
2: DFS? I. It also, I think don't use them week one, unless the matchup looks like I haven't looked at their schedule yet, so I can't tell you, but if they're, if they're in like a quality matchup in the first couple of weeks, um, where you think that it's going to get out of hand, then yeah, I mean, I think kind of plug them in the one thing I would say is once you start to get into games where it looks like it's going to be a little bit more challenging, once you get to like the early sec matchups then you may want to take a half step back, uh, fade him a little bit only because you want to really get a feel for what their utilization of players is going to be because what we sometimes have seen is that teams are eventually just going to ride their superstars if a game gets close. And if they're mixing in players even in a close game, then that's kind of what you want to see for a DFS purpose. Like I said, I think what you're looking for out of him is somewhere – On a consistent basis during SEC plays, getting six to eight rush attempts with probably two to three targets, Um, and you hope that he's a pretty solid athlete and can break off one of those into something meaningful. Um, High upside, you're probably looking for those somehow getting to consistently 10 touches, but I would probably bank on you're closer to that eight touches per game for him when the season rolls around.
1: Cool. All right. Um, So Tom Herman finishes finished his career at Texas with a 32-18 and 18 record um, and a 4-0 record in bowl games. We, I, if I recall correctly, when Herman was hired, we were pretty excited for for what could take place in Texas. Um, do you think... Texas is a hard job. Well, I was going to say, so that's 50 games and he had a 64% win, uh, winning percentage. 50 games in, do you think Sark has a better or worse winning percentage at Texas?
2: Worse. And I think he's gone if he does. Yeah, (laughs) okay. I mean, it's I I, I say this, like, I can love a hire, but Texas is a really hard job. Like, I hope he gets things figured out. I hope he had, like, Malik Murphy comes in and turns into a superstar. But the truth is, it's a really hard job because the moment that, and this is one of those moments where this is the, the reason why this would not have been the job I would have chosen for him to go to, just because you basically have to be a CEO. When you're at Texas, you you really have to be able to just like you are everything. You are the face of a program where everybody cares about what you're doing on the program. And you have to talk to donors. You have to make everyone happy. And if somebody doesn't get happy, then they might be pushing you out in like two and a half years. So whether it be you can't miss out on like the fact that he missed out on Quinn. He didn't get Quinn Ewers to flip back to Texas. Malik Murphy was a must-get. He had to replace Quinn Ewers with someone special, um, and he did with that. So I hope, I think he's learned enough under Nick Saban that he kind of understands that CEO role, but at the same time, you never really know. I think I would probably lean towards, like most coaches, you go in there as looking like the the greatest hire of all time, but Texas is a really hard job. So I think he'll probably get a couple of years. Maybe we'll get a fun... Um, Hudson card moment, winning a sugar bowl saying Texas is back. And (laughs) then they'll go like nine and three the next year.
1: Yeah. All right. What's your second favorite, uh, coaching hire, unless there's anything else you want to talk about Texas. No,
2: that's, uh, there aren't a lot, like a a lot of these, I'm sort of a mixed bag on, but I'm going to go with one that is going to surprise people. And it's Brett Bielma to Illinois, um, in place of lovey Smith. Uh, Brett Bielma went 68 and 24 at Wisconsin. And then he went to a very challenging program, Arkansas, and went 29 and 34. Arkansas is a really tough job. I think that it's sort of what he tried to do was basically bring his Wisconsin offense, bring his Wisconsin style, um, bring the hippo package, bring all those things. And go to Arkansas and then try and compete with these SEC offenses that were going through a period where all of a sudden everyone got really good at offense. Um, And it makes you look bad. And there was, I remember there was one season, it was probably his like second, either his first (coughs) or second year at Arkansas. And he was like 0 3 in SEC play, but people were still giving him votes to be a top 25 team because they were playing close against this sec West domination. That was like absurd. So he's a good coach. Um, He has familiarity with the Midwest. He's recruited the area. Um, I think he'll be able to go because he has a decent working relationship with some of these head coach high school coaches in the Midwest. Um, He has a good feel for like who he needs to, really recruit with in the Midwest. I think that this is a landing spot that should get him to a spot where they are regularly bowl eligible. And I know this is going to like, that sounds like a, Oh, we've got a guy that we think could be a national championship contender. And now I'm jumping all the way down to a guy that's getting a bowl eligible. But I think that Brett Bielma is the type of coach that Illinois needs because he's going to get them. He's going to be to them on his ceiling upside is that he gets them to being very similar to Northwestern where he just gets a team that consistently plays good offense, good enough offense, pretty good defense. And every single year wins you somewhere between seven and nine games a year. And that will make his base happy until they've done it for like six years. And then they'll be like, why aren't we competing for the big 10? And yeah, but I I do think he'll make it interesting from a player perspective. Literally no one on the roster currently, not a single player on the roster becomes
1: so. Chase Brown, their leading rusher last year uh, was a sophomore um he was you know he, he he's not huge he's five five foot ten uh 188 pounds he was not like super highly recruited he he was a three star prospect he started out at western Michigan uh but do you think there's anything to him like given just the style of play that that Bielma likes
2: do you think he has a chance of being, being
1: relevant at any point?
2: Not for Debbie. Um, I think that this team is going to be one where you maybe find, maybe against like a Purdue or a team that isn't great defensively. You can find some mid spots where you play um, an Illinois running back against um, like a weaker run defense and you can get a solid um, DFS performance. I'm, I, I'm fully fading every receiver on that team. Yeah. And I'm probably fully fading... Um, every quarterback. But I do think that probably in the next two to three years, you're going to start to see them really beef up that offensive line with just big kids Uh, because he's kind of proven that he doesn't necessarily need the high three-star prospect. He doesn't need the, the four-star guys that have NFL upside. He's really looking for dudes that have the requisite size that he can go run his, he was really the first one that started that hippo package at Wisconsin. He, so if he can run the hippo package on you where he's basically putting like seven offensive linemen on the field, then yeah, there's going to be running backs on that team that ha- pick, get interesting value um, for college fantasy. But I mean, from a Debbie perspective, yeah, I mean, probably nothing, probably yeah. not much. Maybe Maybe he develops a running back in the next couple of years. But I would just say I don't think there's anyone on that roster right now that you're really excited about Let's see kind of what he does in like 2022, 2023 recruiting classes. I mean, if he can get into that like Chicago area, the like maybe he can go steal a player out of like Michigan. Maybe he can get a player from who's like a lower rated kid out of Ohio. Um, I think that you might be able to find someone who's a little bit interesting, but there's been, I mean, you never really know exactly yeah. what players are going to get through. But I, I mean, I would say, what you're looking for for them is some type of running back who, I mean, they're not going to be a great pass catcher. He's probably going to find you a no Sean Moreno type.
1: Yeah. All right. Um, it was five years ago. We weren't doing the show, but I I was excited. Not nah, maybe excited is the wrong word. I was intrigued by the Lovey Smith hire originally, and it just didn't pan out. Like 17 and 39 in five seasons. Again, Illinois is going to be a tough place to to win um <laughs> big tennis a tough place uh so yeah it'll be interesting to see what he can do there uh B-Lama, that is and you know if he can bring the success that he had at wisconsin to illinois i think i think illinois fans would be uh would be thrilled um yeah
2: so, I, yeah. yeah i mean lovey smith i thought did a fine job i think he sort of um, he realized that recruiting was not gonna be his forte and he ended up he was interesting because he took a different approach. He was really the first coach that said, I'm just gonna recruit the portal hard to build my roster around players out of the transfer portal who thought that they were gonna get playing time at USC and then all of a sudden didn't, or thought they were gonna get playing time at um like Alabama and then I can go snag a player who was third or fourth on the depth chart. But there's only so much you can do with that when you're constantly trying to build from players who aren't freshmen and I think Bielma at least brings at least a little more of a college centric mindset that he's going to be really trying to build from the bottom up um get these four year players and find a couple of guys that really open up his offense but I will say I think Illinois defense which maybe a few for the last several years has been maybe one to target for DFS still probably this year it's going to be a little bit targetable but maybe in the next like 2 to 3 years it's really going to be one that is going to improve
1: cool all right all where right. do you want to head next what's uh what's your next favorite God. hire
2: let's go i you know what i think it's i think it's auburn i think it's Brian harson um i don't necessarily know that this is an upgrade from gus malzon except for the fact that gus malzon has semi-proven that he, while he might have a good offensive mind, he is not a great quarterback developer. And while I don't know that anyone out of Boise State really makes you go, wow, Brian Harson makes quarterbacks great. I do think that you, saw, you could consistently see development out of him, and I'm trying to remember the quarterback's name from like two years ago who uh, came out. Sorry. I feel obligated to go look this one up because... Sometimes I do that. I mean, we saw Hank Bachmeyer get better. The name I'm trying to, I was trying to remember was Brett Rippon. Um, oh, right. Yeah. Brett, yeah. So Brett Rippon. That's name we I haven't heard right.
1: since the draft.
2: <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. But so Brett Rippon, we saw him go from a low 60% completion percentage guy who was throwing, you know, really was throwing quite a few interceptions. Um, by the end of his career, he had upped it to, he was, he completed 67% of his passes um and had a touchdown interception ratio of 30 to 7, and he had an adjusted yards per attempt in his final year of 8.9, which from a fantasy perspective, guys I'm looking at to scout isn't really good enough, but at the same time, now he's getting a real talent. Like, I still believe that Bo Nix was talented. I think that there's a reason why Bo Nix earned that starting job right when he got on campus. I think that he has the ability to make a jump up but we'll see what Harson can do with him. I hope that he uh, develops him a little bit further because I do own one Devi share of Bo Nix, and it would be really nice if all of a sudden he got on an NFL roster. But uh, we'll see. I, I think it'll be a fun one. I think Auburn's offense will become a little more traditional um, because they've gotten a little bit gimmicky um, over the last couple of years. And if, all, if they become a little more offensive friendly than they have been, Maybe they're not so reliant upon their defense and that it's probably going to be necessary because they don't have Kevin Steele anymore. Um, I do think that this is probably an overall good hire for some of the players on the roster. I think the name you're, uh, I'll let you ask me the name that you want to ask me.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, Tank Bigsby, of course, is uh, front and center when it comes to skill position players on Auburn. I'm I'm curious if you think this is an upgrade, a downgrade or uh, stays the same. So,
2: for the last couple of years um, at Boise State, George Halani has been kind of the lead guy in that offense. I say that he did not lead the team in rushing last year. It was Andrew Van Buren who did, but um, he's had productive running backs and he's found he has, at least over the last few years, he has been willing to give them the ball a lot. So, that's a pretty good sign for um tank and i say that in uh i mean in 2018 alexander madison had 302 rush attempts so if we're worried that um that bixby's not going to get a workload if you're sitting here thinking that he's not going to put the best guy on the field i mean 2018 he gave he gave a running back 300 touches in 2019 he gave a running back 192 touches In 2020, he gave a running back 111, and I know that sounds like not a lot, but that was only in seven games. So, I mean, I think he's going to find his guy. I think he's going to find someone to feed the ball to, and I will say that he has had a few really quality wide receivers on his rosters over the last few years, and he's really found a way to get them the ball. So I will say that I'm not sure which Auburn receiver is going to pop because I don't know their roster well enough now that seth Williams and i think schwartz has gone too yeah um with both of them off the roster i would say that if there's an interesting player on that team if there's a, a freshman that hasn't didn't get utilized last year there's an incoming freshman i just don't know their roster that well um then maybe you can see somebody popping off and just quickly glancing at like who was third no, nah, I mean, it's, it's pretty wide open because Eli Stove is nothing. I don't think Bigsby's going to get utilized a ton. So maybe you're going to find a couple of people on that roster who are a little bit interesting, but I would say really look and see how that recruiting goes over the next few years because I do think that one of the wide receivers over the next probably two to three years is going to probably start to see some volume funneled their way. And I mean, he's, he's made guys that were less talented pretty productive.
1: Do you think Bo Nix will run the ball less? He had 108 carries in 11 games um, last season. Do you think, like I just, and I, I'm, I'm not looking at Boise State's numbers here, but uh, Bachmeyer, Rippin,
2: they don't strike me as guys who were who, who were running a a hell of a lot. Well, Bachmeyer had like 29 attempts last year, but he he had negative yardage on him. So a lot of uh, sacks. Prior year so a had, lot of those were sacks, yeah, probably. He had uh, 41 rush attempts the previous year. I think he'll probably run them. They'll run it a little bit less. I don't think it. I think it's going to be. I don't think you're going to have like an option offense. I think you're probably going to see a more traditional running. Like I don't think they're going to be Texas. I think the leading rusher on this is going to be very heavily Bigsby. Um, but I mean, I think Nick's will probably have still have a little bit of a rushing value. I, it, you can't take away that weapon right. when you have a guy that has ru- has rushing ability. You don't take it away.
1: And and Nick's is the type of guy who will turn a pass play into a rush play anyway. <laughs> so
2: play.
1: yeah. Um, all right. Auburn. So um, I'm curious, like Harson's in Malzahn is out. I was wondering if maybe Malzahn at UCF would be on. Um...
2: It's coming up. Don't worry.
1: Yeah. I was wondering if that was going to be one of the next higher up ones, but if not, uh, let me no, know no. which one you have next.
2: Actually, let's let's go with that one. I actually do think that's it's probably a better one because what he brings is pedigree. So the one thing that Gus Malzahn can do when he walks into UCF that Josh Heupel couldn't do because remember Josh Heupel was a first-time head coach. Um, Danny White basically picked him out and said, "Ooh, you seem fun." Um, Gus Malzahn knows how, and now to, he's done
1: that again. <laughs>
2: yeah. Um,
1: Sorry, Gus I Malzahn you. is a
2: no, no, no. You're fine. He helped. Uh, Auburn gets to a national championship game. He helped them win a national championship game. Uh, he knows what it takes to be a quote unquote actual national champion. Um, and part of that is going to be, he can walk in there and say, we need better facilities. We need to do this that we can help bring in recruits. We need to focus on these types of things and whether or not he's able to get all these things. I don't know, but UCF has seemed pretty, dedicated to giving their program the things it needs to improve and i think gus mauzan will help bring some of the power five feel to the power six school and um that should be good i do still think he's uh a capable offensive mind. i don't think he's going to kill dylan gabriel but i think that dylan gabriel is probably not going to put up video game numbers this year can I, I can i pause right there for a second no
1: Um, I'm going to, um, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm not, I'm not going to give a bunch of my thoughts. Uh, Mel's when when he was at like Arkansas state, people thought of him as like this offensive guru. Did the game change and he didn't keep up or were we just kind of fooled a little bit, even his first couple years at Auburn, it seemed like things were going well, but like to your point, their offense hasn't been that great. Like Malzahn's offenses haven't been that great lately. So, do you think something switched? Do you think that now that he's at UCF, he'll be able to bring uh, a, an offensive flair back? Is is he not the offensive guru that
2: I thought he was going to be? Or I think or- I mean he's a pretty we uh, he I mean in 2016 they averaged uh, 31 points in 2017 they averaged 33 points in 2018 they averaged 30.9 points in 2019 they averaged 33.2. And in 2020, they averaged 25.1. I think it's pretty safe to say that um, he's still a good offensive mind. He's not, but yeah, maybe he's, it's hard to stay a guru forever. I think that it takes a lot of work to stay at the top of the, the offensive mindset rankings, because the truth is, is that since 2016, And so now that's what five years have passed. Would you say that the game of football is the same? Oh, not at all. So I I think for, I mean, there's little things like how do you incorporate the run pass option? What do you do? Um, How much are you running for wide? How frequently are you using the type like all these different things? And I think it's hard to stay on top of that. And it's really the very, very few people that do stay ahead of the curve on that type of thing. And I, I think he's probably fallen a little bit behind. But at the same time, he a, I mean, he averaged 25 points a game this year against an SEC only schedule. Um, he's averaged 30 points a game for the past couple of years when we're sitting here questioning his offense. Um, I know part of that has to do with the fact that his defense pretty regularly put him in good spots. But sure. I I think that he's going to get a an offense this year that is kind of built to pass just all out pass like crazy. Um, I know they're pretty heavily recruiting a guy that just got let out of his Tennessee letter of intent. And if they can somehow sneak him, his name's Cody Brown. Um, if they can get him in, he's a good, he's a really powerful running back. He would be able to open up the, uh, offense a little bit even further for him. I, I do think that there is the, um, the chance that he he all of a sudden kind of gets that offensive guru mindset back because now all of a sudden he's going to be going up against not SEC caliber yes. defenses. He's yeah. probably, more often than not, he's probably going to have the most talented team on the field whenever he plays. And that's partially just because dirty little secret is UCF is probably a better place to recruit to than 40% of Power 5 schools. I would say if you're not a a top of the like standings team recruiting to Florida is a whole lot easier than recruiting to Lincoln, Nebraska. I was going to go
1: with Pullman, but yes, I agree with both of those. Yeah. (laughs)
2: I mean, I would just say like, I think for now, all of a sudden he's in that Florida area. So he can, if he just scoops up fast three-star kids from his own state. All of a sudden we're talking about, he's going to be pretty easily the most talented. I won't say group of five school because Cincinnati exists, but uh, I mean, he might be, one of them, he'll probably be the most talented team on the field for all but one week of his season. And I do think that'll help, um, help him out. I haven't really taken a, a close look at his staff because truth be told, I don't care that much right now about his staff. I kind of, cause I think he's going to run his offense the way he wants to run his offense. Um, but I but do you, think he'll add value.
1: But you, but you said that maybe expect a step back numbers wise for Dylan Gabriel.
2: Little bit, just because I don't think they're the one. Thing about under Josh Heupel that Dylan Gabriel made work was the fact that they were averaging like 19 seconds per play. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were the fastest offense in the country. I would guess that they are probably outside of the top 20 in pace this year. So that's not. It's not that I think that they're going to get worse. It's not that I think he's going to become less efficient. It's just the fact that when you're running seven to ten less plays less offensive plays per game, it's harder to put up the same type of numbers. So while I like Dylan Gabriel a lot, and I think that uh, they've done actually a really nice job filling out their skill position players over the fat past few years, I do just have a hard time thinking of them as the same as they were under Hypel. just because there's, there's no way they're going to be the fastest offense in the country. That's good to hear. Um, not in because a- my next favorite one is Tennessee's hire of Josh Heupel. Is it really? It actually is, and it's not because I have Clark Lee ahead of that, but continue, continue. So it's not because, this is one because I think it's fun. Um, (laughs) Tennessee's going to be a dumpster fire of talent this year. They're literally losing, like, players hand over fist into the transfer portal. They're having kids ask out of their letter of intent. They're, but they're kind of bringing in a guy that says, Hey, I'm going to run a fast offense. I'm going to try and outscore you 50 to 40 every single week, because I know my defense is going to suck. And, uh, I'm going to just try and go real fast and try and catch you off guard. I think there will be, he's going to now have probably equal level offensive talent that he had. That's so weird to say that the talent on Tennessee's offense is equal to UCF, but it's probably equal. Um, maybe worse. But I do think that he his offense is one that is an attempt to catch teams off guard. And while I do think in the SEC that's going to lead a lot more like three and outs um, than it did in the American Conference, I do think that they're going to at least be a little bit fun to watch. For what it's worth, I don't think Josh Heupel makes it longer than three years. Um, I think after his third season, they will probably be looking for um, the new hotness on the market because I don't think Heupel was their first choice. So I think that um this is mostly uh this will be fun type of hire but i don't necessarily think it's going to be a good one for the purpose of like will tennessee be back no they don't have anyone yeah um yeah <laughs> i was there's, gonna ask don't ask if me about there's any big player
1: on to that talk team about. No. but there's not really no. like gray is gone who i know you like they even lost like their backup I running back that. is gone yeah. um they I don't, don't even know who's going to be. I don't even know who's going to be playing quarterback for
2: them. Like, is it going to be Harrison be Bailey, Harrison, you right? think? Yeah, it's got to be Harrison. If it's not Harrison, then he's an idiot. But because uh, Guarantano's gone, Guarantano's at water. He's in the portal. He's not actually signed anywhere yet. But I, I mean, they're going to find somebody on that team who's fast, who is capable of running fast and that'll be the the way they do it i hope they go with the with harrison bailey at quarterback or they just randomly any freshman that's on the team i hope that plays because that's what you should do if you're a team that's uh, a dumpster fire then don't play players that have been there for four years
1: it's true yeah Um, i (laughs) i'm not a huge i'm not a huge fan of the hypo hire um i don't want to like doubt what white is doing because the dude is obviously a super smart guy, like the su- success that he had at UCF and he knows Hypel. So he knows what he, he brought in. So like, I, 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 trust him, but I feel like, um, now maybe anything's an upgrade from Jeremy Pruitt because he was a, a complete disaster. Fine,
2: maybe dude was recruit. I mean, the dude recruited well because McDonald's existed. So, um, I mean, <laughs> He he was a good recruiter. He was building back the talent level on that team and
1: just didn't know how to utilize
2: it, I guess. Yeah. It, I, I never actually thought Jeremy Pruitt was this great coach. And I think that most people really were just the Nick Saban coaching tree is very hit and miss. Either they are a, most of them get hired because of the fact that they have a great rapport as a recruiter. And that is the, one of the most important things. However, if you are solely a great recruiter, you also have to kind of be a direct people type of coach. So that yep. means that you're exclusively handing off play calling to your offensive and defensive coordinator and you'd be, it better be damn sure that you're a good hire hire. Yeah. Hire. Yep. Um, so just, I mean, that's maybe they need to use like indeed that I don't think they're sponsoring us this week, but they should have used indeed to find <laughs> yep. a good coach. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, I Pruitt, I think Pruitt just messed up on that front. Um, but we don't need to spend a ton of time on Tennessee. I really only put him there because they're, I think they're going to be kind of fun to watch at times. And yeah.
1: Well, yeah. Dumpster Let, fires can be enjoyable to watch, I suppose. That's I mean, true. I put
2: Brett Bioma this high, and I said that they, I put him at my number two because I thought that he'd get a team bowl eligible. So that should tell you where my mindset is right now. Yeah. Um, let's talk Vanderbilt, though, because I actually... <laughs> before, you, I, before you do that... Oh, you jerk.
1: We are going to take a quick break. You, uh, you reminded me, you know, indeed you reminded me that we need to stop for some, some, some of our, our, the people who keep the lights on, you know, we're going to stop quick break and then we're going to get into Vanderbilt. So I know you guys are all anxious to, uh,
0: we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed.
1: Here matt's take on uh, on Clark Lee. so we'll be back with you in just a couple minutes
0: hey rotoviz radio listener this is curtis patrick from the dynasty command center podcast and i've got a special deal for you today go to rotoviz.com click the subscribe button put the 12 month subscription in your cart and use promo code rv radio 21 that's rv radio 21 and you're gonna save 10 percent Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to RotoVis.com and subscribe now.
3: Look, no one's perfect. Even the best baseball players strike out with the bases loaded. The best golfers sometimes three putt with the tournament on the line. So if you feel like you come up short in the bedroom sometimes, it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go to GetRoman.com slash now. With Roman, you get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Go to getroman.com slash rotoviz now to get $15 off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. Getroman.com slash rotoviz. Get started now to save $15 on your first month of treatment.
1: All right, we're back. Talk to me. Let's talk Vanderbilt.
2: So – The one issue I have with Vanderbilt, the Vanderbilt hire, and it's the only one, is that I really, really hope that he does not try and win with a Notre Dame light version because I don't necessarily think he's going to have the talent to shit. Notre Dame didn't have the talent to beat
1: SEC teams with Notre Dame football.
2: I, the one thing is that Vanderbilt is actually quietly a like it's in a pretty decent location Nashville. For, yeah. To, to bring in talent. I do think that you like Tennessee's a good. Yep. Tennessee Nashville's a good area to actually bring in talent and bring in good skill, like good players that have talent. And I think that he'll be able to do that. But the one thing that I, part of the reason I like it is because We already have seen he's willing to think outside the box. Now, he did bring in an offensive coordinator who's a receivers coach for the Cardinals. So what does that tell you? To me, that says, guy that is working next to one of the more creative offensive minds in the NFL. I'll take it. Um, And I mean, we're both, I mean, we we talk about it all the time. We both listen to too much of the... uh,
1: Cover three. Cover three
2: podcast. And um, I mean, I'll, I'll just say it. I think that going for a guy that has spent the last like ten years of his life focusing on recruits and thinking about um, like what matters for recruits, what specific things you're looking for, I think that's a it's a good sign that you're thinking outside the box. And yes, it's just your quote unquote general manager and director of player blah 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 personnel or director. I don't even know what his official title is, but I think what that does is it gives you someone who can look for the three star that's undervalued because he doesn't have an Alabama offer the like the really unrecruited scout in Tennessee that just hasn't had a chance to make it out of out to all these camps. The guy that is a track athlete who doesn't necessarily get enough touches in high school to really blow up, but he's had flashes and you, you just kind of, it's good to have a guy that has this holistic take on recruiting because at Vanderbilt, you're not going to compete for the Quinn Ewers and Malik Murphy's of the world at the quarterback position. You're going to have to find the Brett Rippon and the Hank Bachmeyer and the Dylan Gabriels of the world who are three-star guys at good programs who have certain skill sets that make them jump up. So whether it's a guy that's capable of throwing the deep ball, whether it's a a quarterback that can run a a sub eleven hundred yard or a hundred meter dash, um whether it's any of these things that just open up your offense. I think the fact that he is looking in unusual places and looking for creativity is a very good sign that he is willing to adapt and not necessarily try and be Notre Dame light. And I think that's partially shown by the fact that there aren't any other Notre Dame people on this. Uh, There's quite a few NFL people on this list of people that he brought in. And I, I, I mean, I think that's, it's a good sign and, So I I would be shocked if he doesn't bring Vanderbilt to a level of success that Derek Mason didn't bring him to. I think that he will likely give them similar levels of success that, uh, James Franklin did. So, Mm -hmm. yeah,
1: um, for me, like I, I would also like, I I'm fine with the hire, whatever. Clark Lee is from everything I've heard of him. He sounds like a great guy. He's going to school that he's very familiar with. Um, Having played there, but (laughs) just just um, in general, like from like a Debbie perspective or a DFS perspective, I'm never extremely excited about defensive coordinators taking over as head coaches, Um, unless I mean, you bring up a good point. They're bringing in a guy from a a Cliff Kingsbury uh, system that's going to maybe open up the offense a little bit. So maybe he isn't just going to play strict defensive style football, but I, I will say I do have a bias <laughs> against defensive coordinators becoming head coaches. And, and maybe that's completely unfair, but I just, I'm always going to lean to uh, the, the offensive coordinator who gets the shot um, to, uh, to t- yeah, to make the jump. So um, uh, now that's not always the case because we've got a couple of former offensive coordinators uh, still to talk about that. Uh, I know both of us are pretty down on the hires. Uh, but where do you want to head to next? Um, I, and I, I, I couldn't name, um, any Vanderbilt skilled players that are relevant no. for Devi, So I don't know if you've got a sneaky, no. a sneaky name in there, but I certainly don't. I don't. Okay. I, I wish
2: I did. I yeah. genuinely wish I had fun players. Um, I will, when we get closer to the year and I like start to actually like break down players, um, on the roster and like get a little bit more into it, um, Sorry, I'm not into it quite now. I I can't tell you that I'm weighing on Vanderbilt at the moment, but I just, whenever I get it a little bit deeper onto, like, after the spring game, hopefully those happen this year. Once we start to get some, like, practice reports, I'll definitely spend a little bit of time trying to find some of these sneaky, crappy program guys that are valuable for DFS. So um, let's go for another couple of dumpster fire hires, because I think there are, There are two dumpster fire hires that are going to be fun um, to watch because they're going to probably be real bad. Um, And I'm lumping them into one. So it's Shane Beamer and Jed Fish. I don't want to spend a ton of time talking about either one of them. Jed Fish was the quarterback's coach for the Patriots in 2020. Prior to that, he spent time as an offensive coordinator uh, and assistant for the Los Angeles Rams. Um, I think it's good to go play for or be underneath why don't I know NFL coaches? What's the Rams' coach name that everyone loves? Jared Goff. Nope, that's nope. That's the quarterback. <laughs> McVeigh, Sean McVeigh. Sorry. So Sean McVeigh. I think it's good. Again, giving an, another offensive-minded, strong offensive mind, it could work out. But dude's head coach experience at at the college level is being in the interim head coach um, for UCLA in 2017. Nothing special. Um, and then, yeah, being the quarterbacks coach for the Patriots on like their worst year in a long time, um i I don't know I, I don't think there's anything special really about him. I think that was a really weird hire. There were a lot of other guys I would have preferred, and I hope again, this is one of those things. I hope he tries to do something different because the only thing that I can say about these mediocre like power five programs is if you try and play like the big boys, you will lose to the big boys every time. It's the old money ball approach. If we try and play like the Yankees out there, or if we try to play like the Yankees in here, we will use lose to the Yankees out there. It's going to happen. If you try to play like USC or you try to play like Oregon, you will get crushed. Um, the other Do one, you,
1: Shane Beamer. Wait, before, before you jump, because I, I just want to ask you about one specific player. I know I keep interrupting you, um, okay,
2: interrupt me all the time. I do it to you every time.
1: That's true. Uh quarterback Grant Ganell, there was some hype around him last year going into the season. Of course, Arizona only played four games um and, and Sumlin, man, Sumlin just was terrible at Arizona, but there was some some helium around uh Grant and uh just curious if you think that with the new new coaching here with Fish, I know we make fun of him being you know, Patriots quarterbacks coach because man, Cam Newton was terrible this year. But you know, Belichick trusted him with his quarterbacks. Rankin Do you think? it's Not on Arizona. Did he just? Did he transfer out?
2: <laughs> he transferred to Memphis. Ah shit. Well, never <laughs> mind. No, leave it. Leave it in. We don't want to edit this stuff out. Let's no, lean I'm into too it. Need to edit it out.
1: So Grant Cannell right, transferred to Memphis. <laughs> Do you um, think Memphis? No. So who's going to be the quarterback for Arizona? Uh,
2: let's go with the other guy that got reps last year, and that was Will Plumber. Um, I have no thoughts. Uh, let's hope. Uh, I, I'm going to be honest with you. If I put Will Plummer into uh, Google, it uh, it comes up with a bunch of plumbers in my area. So <laughs> I don't. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Let me put a two four seven after him and see what I can pull up. I'm gonna be honest. Oh, there he is. Apparently, wait, whoa, whoa. This is funny. College football reference has his name spelled Plumber with a B. His name is Plumber with two M's, not a B. And uh, so it it was just wrong. Um He's fine. He's not there's not a Debbie prospect on that roster right now. Don't expect anything Debbie wise. Uh DFS wise, give it a couple of weeks. Unless unless all of a sudden someone is like killing it in spring practices and stuff like that. And we start to see reports that somebody is just amazing like Michael Wiley. If Michael Wiley is killing it in practices, then maybe in like week one when he's cheap in a DFS play. But otherwise, I literally no opinion about their offense from a Debbie perspective or DFS. All right. But Grant Gannell. Jesus. He's at Memphis now and it's fun.
1: no Uh, i'm i'm gonna have to i commit to you that i will use him in at least one dfs stack week one just because i i owe it to make sure that
2: it's not you don't stack him with an arizona player um (laughs) so so i I actually do think south carolina actually had some talent on its roster and i do think that there is i think ryan holinski transferred which i'm pretty confident about that Am I wrong about that? I swear Dude, I thought he transferred. I can't, I'm not Whatever. jumping in
1: any transfer talk for a minute here now. I'm feeling very, but very there, There's been
2: talent on that roster. I do think that the most interest. there are two really interesting players, though, if you're talking about uh, South Carolina. So, and they're both at the running back position. Kevin Harris is probably going to be a DFS, college fantasy, and sneaky Devy guy that a lot you kind of hear out there. Um, he had 1,138 yards and 15 touchdowns last year on a pretty gross South Carolina team. Um, He also had 21 receptions and a touchdown. He's probably a name that needs to be pushed up Debbie boards. I know um, early on or last month I did a mock, um, a Debbie mock with uh, Debbie warehouse, um, Greg from uh, Debbie watch. And he took him in the second round and I made fun of him. And then I went and did a little bit of my homework about him and realized, Oh no, no, no. I'm the moron here. He's really good. Hmm. Um, the other guy on why that haven't, roster. Why haven't we talked about him? Um, because we don't talk about. Uh, we don't talk we, about South Carolina never, very much. <laughs> we never talk South Carolina. Um, <laughs> the other name on the list is Marshawn Lloyd. He didn't get much. He, he got no usage last year, but he was a highly regarded freshman prospect. Um, last season, people kind of thought he was going to blow up right away. And well, he didn't. Um, I'm actually making sure that I'm not an idiot, that he's not a 2021 guy, but I'm pretty confident he was a 2020 guy. Um, Yeah, he missed the entire 2020 season with an ACL. Um, But he's a really talented back that I do expect to kind of get worked in. Um, For Debbie perspective, I still prefer Harris just because I like to prefer guys that we've actually seen do things. And guys coming off an ACL, for as much as I don't think the ACL is that like destroyer of worlds that it was probably 15, 20 years ago. I do still think that you want to see how they recover from it because you don't necessarily know that it's going to be nine months and they're back to perfect. Sometimes it's 12 months and they're back to 90%. Sometimes it's there. Um, yeah, they're just not quite there. So I would say uh, Marshawn Lloyd and um, Kevin Harris, both stock up from this move just because I mean, Beamer was an assistant head coach at Oklahoma, so there is something to be said about you're learning really closely with Lincoln Riley. With that being said, this was a stupid hire. He was in a assi- he basically his career as being an assistant head coach for a bunch of good coaches. Um, yeah, but it's it's not Will Muschamp, so hopefully it's better.
1: Yeah, I mean he he had done a good job recruiting. I, I'm curious if he'll be able to continue that up, but again. Recruiting at South Carolina might be a, a different beast. Um, I was surprised by the hire. Um, just that, I don't know. I don't know if Shane Beamer's the no guy one I want.
2: Thought it was a good hire.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he's the guy I want uh, repping my school, but I think uh, I think a lot of people expected Virginia Tech to maybe uh, test those waters in a, in a year or two, but uh, but
2: not yet. I and mean, they're they're sticking with Fuente for for now at least. Um, so yeah, the last one that. I, I do want to talk one last coach because the rest of them will run through some of the other major, uh, changes, but let the one last one I do want to talk about, and you probably have a better feel for this than me is, uh, Andy Avalos getting hired at, uh, Boise state. Um, Brian Harson actually really did a strong job with Boise state. He kept that program, um, really good. Despite the fact that they lost Chris Peterson, who was obviously, one of the better coaches in all of college football. And during his time at Boise, he went 69, nice and 19. Um, and now they, they're replacing him. So Avalos spent 2012 to 2018 with the Boise program. So he is very familiar with the team. He's very familiar with the area. He shouldn't have a difficult time reestablishing himself, recruiting in that area. Um, I actually think Boise is probably another one of those programs. That's fairly easy to recruit your location to, because yeah if you are in that area and you are one of the better players in like Idaho or Wyoming or Montana, you're probably not looking at like super duper offers, but you might be looking at like, if I get a division one and it's Boise, you're walking in. Or if you are the three star in Washington that isn't get pulling the power five offers, then Boise is probably the best option where you get to stay kind of close to home and you get to do it, um, play at a high level. So I think he'll do a decent job recruiting there. And I mean, Uh, now is when I'll let you run. But he spent the last two years as the co-defensive coordinator for Oregon. I know you had a lot of issues with Oregon's run defense last year, but I mean, they've been a quality defense for a while. And I do think that um, it's an interesting decision by Boise. I think that obviously his six, seven prior years with them probably made the difference. But um, what do you think of this um, with your understanding of what Avalos did there? Well, this is one of those guys that has, he he's my age.
1: like <laughs> He is three weeks older than me, so I feel better about that. Um, nice. But his first year as the D.C. was really impressive. He took um, the defense, he took Oregon's defense from being like 50th in the country to a top 10 defense. So kudos to him. He was also instrumental in bringing um, Kayvon Thibodeau in, who was yep. one of the top five you know let's be um generous he was probably the top he's the best player to ever play college football ever yes at oregon (laughs) um but uh defensive end he was able to bring him in so he he has a knack for building a defense i was a little concerned at the step back the defense took this year we were also excuse me oregon was also super young and it was difficult with, you know, all the COVID stuff going on in the PAC 12 and, and in in general um, was just a bit of a, a shit show at times. Um, I also don't really understand this hire. I, I think it makes sense from this, from this stance that, you know, he, he played at Boise state, he's coached at Boise state. Um, he did have some leadership responsibilities at Oregon, but again, I, I just think it's like if i'm a boise fan i I'd, I'd rather harson still be here than avalos but um you know you can't choose that i guess but uh i i was also somewhat underwhelmed i didn't mind seeing him leave oregon as a ducks fan um not something that i was super d- d- disappointed about um wish him the best you know but i uh, yeah i was not super inspired by this choice for boise state either
2: I mean, I think it's a overall, I think it's a fine hire. I think yeah, with Boise, you're, you're, you're looking for the guy who is, I don't think Boise should be hiring someone who's 50 plus at, at age. I like, I think if you're Boise, you're looking for the coach that is motivated because they really want to be the head coach of Oregon, or they really want to be the head coach yeah. of USC, because if you're ever getting a coach, that's happy with your program, then you get really mediocre play. You get really mediocre, uh, coaching. Um, and I think that a guy like Avalos, who is relatively young, is dude. I mean, he's super young.
1: I just told he's, you he's my age.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he's twelve years old. He's he's a child. <laughs> um, I do think that's I think that's the type of coach you're looking for, and um, I I think he will do fine there. I think that he got left a really good infrastructure, and in the fact that he already kind of knows what the program is like walking into it probably sets him up for success. Again, defensive hire. I do don't think that it's going to have a major impact on anyone is still really like Khalil Shakir. Uh, I still think uh, George Halani is interesting. Um, Hank Bachmeyer is um, fun in college with zero chance of ever playing in the NFL. Um, but overall, I do think that there's just fun there. All right, let's just run through the other names that got hired because yeah and i will I'll, say i'll, I'll save will say, one last i'll save quick, that one last i do like avalos hire higher more than the fish or beamer higher yes uh, no those so. are both dumpster fires just to watch because i think yeah. they both suck i think avalos is a good one all right so utah state hired blake anderson from arkansas state um he was a good coach at arkansas state he ran a fun offense i think it'll be fun uh kane womack was hired at south alabama he's 33 years old and was defensive coordinator uh, I don't know shit about him. Well, um, I hope he does well.
1: Well, I think with him, like, I think he'll bring that Indiana style, yeah. um, of discipline, defense, and not necessarily
2: fun. Um, it's also South Alabama. So who so cares? Who cares? We, will, we will not talk about South Alabama much this year. <laughs> Butch Jones was hired at Arkansas State to reply, uh, uh replace uh blake anderson Um uh, everyone kind of remembers jones at tennessee the one thing i will say is that he uh number one he spent a few years with alabama but before that he actually was really successful at the group of five level as coach of cincinnati where he got his kind of jumping off point to become the coach of tennessee i think this is probably a good landing spot for him and the fact that in arkansas you do have a little bit of familiarity in the south um yeah With being there for a while, I think that'll help him. Terry Bowden getting hired to Louisiana Monroe. Uh, He is Bobby's son. He was the head coach of Akron um, for a while, and then he worked at Clemson. Genuinely could not care less about this move. Louisiana Monroe has been a fun program that runs the ball a lot. Uh, I think they probably run the ball less. But with all that being said, I don't have a huge amount of thought about this. I think that it's Louisiana Monroe. Hopefully they get a couple of players that are sneaky good for uh, college fantasy. Uh, Will Hall is a name was the offensive coordinator at Tulane under probably my favorite coach in all of the country, Willie Fritz. Willie, Willie, yeah, let's go with Willie. Um, uh, yes, at Tulane, uh, who ran uh, what I would say this is he's a team that says I can't beat you by beating your by playing your style, so I'm going to do something different. And he basically runs a weird version of the spread love it love it love it bring that and stuff he's at southern to, miss now will hall now he's at southern Mi- i was gonna say there all right so bring that to southern miss and let's have them be uh, another fun uh team yeah hopefully southern myth is miss is a fun offense and they've had the last couple of years they've had some talent there i don't think jack abraham is still there i think he's gone now but if jack abraham's there use him in dfs because he's fun um All right. So offensive coordinators, because we care about offense.
1: You forgot Uh, one of my favorite hires.
2: Oh, fuck that guy. Charles (laughs) Huff was hired. I've given you two. We are officially on explicit level. Uh, Charles Huff is now the new coach at Marshall because doc holiday was let go. This was a weird. weird decision. It was a weird decision. They went seven and three this year at the beginning of the year. Marshall was kind of that team that was steamrolling everyone. And then we realized they were sneaky bad and actually not good at all. Um, they made basically the governor and the board decided that Holiday needed to be gone, so they let him go. They brought in Charles Huff, who's like, I don't get this hire entirely. Let me put it out there. So he's a great recruiter. He would yeah for Alabama for Alabama. You want to know who <laughs> would be a great recruiter for Alabama? Me, me. <laughs> I could be a like. You want to know how hard it is to be a great recruiter for Alabama? Let's call up every five star and give him an offer from Alabama. Yeah. Six of them are going to come. <laughs> um, so, I mean, he was a, he was the running back coach there. So obviously, Najee Harris makes him look smart, but really, well, Najee a Harris is like, really good. When's the last time Alabama didn't have a didn't good have running a, back?
1: Uh, I mean, then he's then only been there for like he was only there for like two years. So I know not all of that. <laughs> he doesn't get credit for the guy. <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> get credit for Darrien Henry. <laughs>
2: um 2019 Najee Harris was was just good so maybe he made him amazing this past offseason who cares uh Marshall is still going to be Marshall maybe they're a little bit more fun at running the ball um they were already good at running the ball so let's now you love offense I love offense so you want to know what we're going to do we're going to make you sad because they're Alabama (laughs) replacing Steve Sarkisian with Bob Bob. (laughs) O'Brien um I don't know what to say about this. Bill O'Brien did really well for Penn State when he was the head coach for the one year following the disastrous um shower scandal. Um but I, I do think he's a good head co- he's a good head coach at the college level because he does do the CEO thing. I don't know that he's this great offensive mind. Um I'm not really willing to look up any stats about how good he was on offense, but I just know that he was dumb enough to think that running back still mattered a ton. And I don't want him to ruin Bryce Young. So I really hope that Bill O'Brien doesn't ruin Bryce Young. And he just kind of says to him, Hey, you, I used to coach Deshaun Watson. Do you want to be Deshaun Watson? Yeah, let's do that. Um, but that'll be hopefully, they've got, they have a lot of young talent. I do think um, I mentioned this on Travis's podcast. I think I mentioned it here. Uh, they brought in four top 100 wide receivers. This. Cycle. I think that with the exit of Waddle and Smith and the previous years, Judy and Ruggs, one of those young guys is going to blow up. Um, Either that or Jaleel Billingsley is going to set the world on fire. And I just don't believe in Jaleel Billingsley. Um, But one of those guys is going to make an impact. And. For me, it's Ja'Cory Brooks. That's the guy that if you're in Devi leagues, please go target him. If you're in any of my campus to Canton startup leagues, I don't think it's Ja'Cory Brooks. I actually think it is John Mechie. Please take John Mechie. Um, I'm kidding. John Mechie went second round and I laughed. Um, all right. Uh, but that's enough for Alabama. Alabama is going to be really good regardless of what Bob does. Um, Penn, Penn State. State. So this one's funny. Because so they let go of Chiaraca. Uh, let's go Chiaraca. I, I guarantee you that's not right. Um, who they had just gotten the previous year from Minnesota. So I don't know if you remember when this hire happened, but they were people so were crazy. excited about this hire because they had just let go of um, Rockney, something like that. I can't remember his name, who went on to be the head coach of Old Dominion. And I'm just putting this out there Old Dominion scored zero points this year. How bad of a coach scores zero points in a 2020 season? Um, It's because they didn't play football. But um, so Chirocca they brought in and obviously Penn State had its issues this year. I have to feel like this was just a personnel fit that maybe he wasn't recruiting well enough. I know they had a really, really bad 2021 cycle. Um, But they're bringing in Mike Yursich out of Texas, who the previous year was at Ohio State. Things I can tell you about Yursich. He's not a great recruiter. Um, he almost tanked the CJ Stroud recruitment for Ohio state. Um, I think he's a pretty decent offensive mind. I don't think this is game changing. Um, but it doesn't change much for me for the purpose of Jahan Dotson and Parker Washington, who are the two guys on that roster, um, receiver wise that I'm in love with. Um, I will tell you that I know Dotson is probably everyone's like favorite because they saw him make that one handed catch against Ohio state. But I, I think Parker Washington nearly breaking out as a true freshman is really special. Um I'm getting pushback on this because I there are some film guys who disagree with me. I still believe Kayvon Lee is a freak. I still believe that he has Todd Gurley level upside. I really, really hope that he cut that Yersich sees the same thing I see and they use him because he was very clearly the best running back in Penn State's room last year. If they come out next year and run the ball with Noah Kane on the first snap of the season, I'm going to throw my phone at this, at the screen. So fingers crossed it's Noah Kane, Cause I mean, my TV, my, my main TV needs to get replaced anyway. So this will probably just help me. So <laughs> right. uh, this will help me convince my wife. All right. Uh, we don't care about defense here, but let's run down a couple of things that did matter. Oregon brought in uh DeReuter from Cal um, to replace uh, Avalos. Um, Cal's defense has gotten quietly pretty good over the past couple of years. So I do like this higher. Yeah. This Um, did not
1: feel like a downgrade. I think most Oregon fans are pretty excited about this.
2: Uh, I did want to touch on that. And then Clark Lee got replaced at Notre Dame by Marcus Freeman. And this is a fantastic hire. Um, Clark Lee is not going to be, you're not going to get an upgrade from Clark Lee very easily, but this is probably the one defensive coordinator move where it might be an upgrade. Uh, Marcus Freeman basically turned Cincinnati into one of the best defenses in the country this past year. And he was doing it with, I mean, the, probably the best group of five talent, but it's still group of five talent. Now at Notre Dame, he's going to be dealing with, let's say top eight to nine or 8% of all of college football. So you're talking about one of the top 10 to 15 programs in the country. Uh, I don't know why I said 8%. Let's just say 10%. So it sounded
1: very like you had done some research.
2: Yeah, but so whatever he uh, so he we are talking about one of the best programs in the country talent wise, and he's going to get to do that. He is a uh, he spent the previous couple of years as the linebacker coach. Ohio State really wanted him to come be the linebacker coach at one point. He is he's really, really smart. He's done a nice job. He plays an aggressive, aggressive defense. So I do think this is going to be a team that um, is good. I don't know what to say. Notre Dame is going to stay good. And then Michigan fired Don Brown. And you want to know what this does to me? It makes me sad because Don <laughs> Brown was uh bad. Uh, he thought that he could cover Ohio state with like a very simple defense and that he was just going to outman him. And then Ohio state just wrecked him every year. So they ended up replacing him with Mike McDonald and Marcy Mar Maurice linguist. Uh, I think linguist is the one that's from the Baltimore Ravens and Nope. I flipped that McDonald's from the Ravens and linguist is from the Cowboys. Um, both good like i can't i can't hate on either one of them both good hires i'm mad at them because they're about to steal a five-star cornerback from us um by cheating we cheat all the time so i don't care um but they're about to get a five-star cornerback um who's from gross point michigan to stay in state rather than leaving for ohio state but they're good i think that they'll probably do a lot of good the only question i have about michigan is i mean what is it going to take to get him fired this year? Because they did, even though he signed an extension this past year, they changed the buyout structure on it. So it is a lot easier to fire Jim Harbaugh. Uh, I would say if this team comes out and has like eight wins, don't be shocked if Jim Harbaugh gets the boot and they really make a hard push for Marcus Freeman, or they really make a, I mean, they want Luke fickle, but they have no chance at Luke fickle. So
1: yeah, I saw Milton enter the transfer portal this last yeah. week as well. Remember like,
2: when he was Cam Newton?
1: Yeah, we all thought he was going to be stud after that first game for Michigan.
2: And I told you guys that hey his the team he was playing sucked and uh that didn't matter. Yeah. But I I mean, I think it's they they've done well this op, so far this offseason. I do think that Jim Harbaugh's trying to not be a dummy and he's trying to make some good hires so he went to his brother and said, hey, hey, bro, can you, uh, yeah. can you please lend me a defensive coordinator that doesn't suck? And he was like, yeah, this guy. And uh, sure, we'll see how it works out. Um, yeah, I, no, I don't have a whole lot to say defensive wise. We, we don't like defensive players. I'm kidding. We love defensive players from a fun perspective. It's just we don't play a lot of IDP except for you, who uh plays IDP and trades away Juju Smith Schuster for a fourth round pick.
1: That's true. I did that. It's salary cap league, and he was too expensive.
2: So uh I, I mean, from I, I think there's a lot of talent on this Michigan team. Um, really, I'm actually excited. They have probably my one of my favorite incoming running backs um, in this year's class in Donovan Edwards. He would be behind Travion Henderson for me just because I'm a homer and uh, I I hate, I will never admit that a Michigan player is above him on my board, but I do really like Donovan Edwards, but that does not have to do with their defensive coordinators.
1: Everything running the ball has to do with a good defense. You know this good defense allows them to run the ball more. It totally fits. Oh, that's great. You, you really ran down those last few very quickly. Thank you for that. Because even as is, we of course went over uh, because that's Watch what we do here on the road fantasy football, Nope. College football fantasy podcast. Um, thanks so much for listening. It, it was, it was a good time talking to some coaches. We'll be back in two weeks. Um excited to, well, I don't know what we'll talk about. We'll, we'll figure something out. It might be then- time. What What do you think, Matt? We'll figure it out.
2: Well, we'll do we'll do a show in two weeks, because after that, we'll probably have to do a little break um, because I'm not going to be sleeping much. Um, I have a little baby boy on the way in mid-March. So once that comes, I may take a little bit of a break. And then once I'm getting like, let's say, two consecutive hours of sleep per night, then I'll jump back in and start looking at some college football
1: yeah no that sounds good but you know what you could do is while you're not sleeping is just lots of research
2: and we could just talk about it so
1: so my kid's gonna
2: be sitting here in, in my arm crying while yeah. i'm doing uh while i'm like looking at spreadsheets well, oh okay. you know how good i
1: am at editing podcasts so i'll uh, i'll edit out the cries <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks thank you guys so much for listening It's fun as always we'll be back with you in two weeks um we'll uh we'll have some we'll have some fun stuff to talk about i'm sure um Yeah, Matt, anything you'd like to leave listeners with? You can still buy Chris Alave. All right, thank you all.
4: The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing. But you know better, and your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos.